Hello, and welcome to Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. Today's episode is all about stability in the time of COVID, because, well, 2020 is over, but the coronavirus is still on the loose, and the effects of the shutdown are still being felt in nearly every area of life. Turning the page on a new calendar year isn't going to zap some of the destabilizing effects of last year away. So here's some guidance for heading into 2021 with some intention, vision, and a firm footing despite the circumstances. Thanks for listening in. Hey friends, I'm your host, Melissa Lester, and it is great to continue my conversation with Pastor Nathan Oates on stability in the time of COVID. Last time we talked about the posture of stability, and today we're going to talk about the purpose of stability. So, Pastor Nate, do we just have stability for stability's sake? What do I get when I get stability? And it's obviously the structures aren't about the structures themselves. So Mm -hmm. what is the purpose of stability and what is the purpose of building these structures that you're talking Mm -hmm. about in this, for this kind of interim season that we're in? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great insight. Stability is, is not for stability's sake. It's not the goal. It's an, it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, we could yeah. say that stability has been valued specifically in spiritual, historical spiritual contexts because of the growth that it enables. Yes. Right. It's like the lattice that the, that the plant is growing on. Um, hmm. This commitment to stay um, when it's healthy is a commitment that's an instrumental. In other words, it enables something else to happen. The commitment that's made is made to accomplish something with someone. So in other, in other words, rather than just saying, um, I'm going to embrace stability. We need to ask for what purpose and with whom I think is the other question Mm. that we should ask. In order for stability to accomplish stability's goal, or in order for stability to be healthy and not stagnant, to actually be this means to a, a greater end, we need to ask, why am I staying? Why am I remaining here? And for whom or with whom, right? What's the purpose and what's the context or the who are the people with whom I'm going to decide to stay? Um so an example would be that um, the purpose, one of the main purposes for the decisions of stability that my wife and I have made, the reason we're still here 15 years, 16 years after moving to this town mm-hmm. and this role is because our purpose is to develop, the ultimate purpose is to restore all things, right? The right. ultimate purpose is to be a, a force of restoration. Um, in the short term, our purpose is like the health of our kids. We don't want to move them around every two years, right? So the health of our kids, that's the why for stability. That's, that is the unto what end for, for the, our stability. And then I'm not just doing this by myself. Equally important in the what is the purpose of stability is the who are you going to embrace stability with? Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, in this example, this would be my wife. Right. right. Um, in, in other words, stability says stay, but it also asks with whom, and it asks for what purpose. It's not enough for me to say, I'm just going to stay. In order, 
in order for the stability to be fruitful, I need to identify what I'm pursuing Mm -hmm. and who I'm pursuing it with. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think my next question for you is sort of tying in back to this idea and maybe you can give us some more examples, but what are some areas you as a pastor would like to encourage us to pursue stability in? So as you have pastored us or pastored in general, but more specifically us, our community in this time, what are some of these big struggles that have been revealed? Because plenty was revealed through COVID, you know, and how do you, how can you encourage us in those areas um, to either adjust our posture or dig in or, you know, have whatever Mm -hmm. illustration you want to use. What are some of those big areas that 2020 revealed these concerns? How do you encourage us in the, in that? Yeah. The first thought that I have is just because it's the main focus of my work is just the spiritual growth of the individual and of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much of the structure has been taken away. And by I'm talking about like kids classes at church or home groups, mm-hmm. you know, that are actually meeting in person um, in some cases, because those structures have been taken away, it's been easy for people to just sort of fade into kind of an apathy or just allow allow that to just sort of be the way it is now. Initially it was deeply missed. The void was like um, visceral. Like you could, you could feel it. The first couple weeks when we weren't meeting, people were saying stuff like we have to meet and I miss it so bad. And we would have, we gave away stuff in the alley behind the church and Tons of people came to pick up a little Easter basket for their kids and there were tears and people, and it was, it had been like two weeks, right? right? Now we're nine months in and people are kind of like, eh, on Sunday mornings, it's just like, well, whatever. And, and that's become the new normal. And, and that's concerning. (laughs) I'm not judging, but it's concerning Mm -hmm. in the sense that um, if, if you've got children at home, who have been learning about Jesus within the context of a highly structured spiritual experience, we call that church, right? and then that structured spiritual experience goes away, and you're not replacing it with something intentional, mm-hmm. then that, that time isn't regained. Like you need, there's, there's a need for um, spiritual formation and education that isn't being met unless you're meeting it. So mm-hmm. um, a concern that I have in, within the context of the church is that we aren't, we aren't being proactive in providing the kind of stabilizing um, tools and routines and practices that ultimately enable a healthy spiritual experience fruitful spiritual experience, a rewarding relationship with Jesus, right? Within the education experience, you can see the same kind of thing happening. School has been changed to the point where it's almost not recognizable in some cases, unless the parent or the tutor or the community steps in and says, here's an alternative structure to embrace. Mm -hmm. um, Our kids are just 
they're just fading away. One of the strongest school districts in Placer County, frankly, in the state in terms of graduation rate, one of the highest graduation rates, 75% of the students after not even a a full fall semester have a D or an F, 75% of the students, one of the strongest um, districts in the state. And 33% of them have more than two Ds or Fs. What is that saying? It's saying that kids who last year were excelling academically are failing academically. Now, what's changed? The structure's gone, right? Right. The structure's gone. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a need Mm -hmm. for the establishment of structure we might say there's a need for stability here. That yeah. the sources of stability, the lattice work that existed last year, largely stripped away. And in its absence, the plant is just languishing on the ground. Right. It's not producing any fruit. Right. Come spring, no fruit is going to be on that. Right. Right. So the need now is for um, a renewed intentionality. Renewed intentionality. Right. And we can't depend on somebody else in many cases to provide it. Right. It's calling us out. Yeah. It's like, how important is your child's spiritual formation to you? Mm -hmm. Is it important enough that you provide structured Bible reading at home, that you're praying with your child, that you're talking about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus? Right. Because if it's not, it's not happening. No. Because you're not taking them to Sunday school or whatever. Right. So- it's calling us out. And, and so when you ask me about like, what are my concerns? It's that partly it feels like a massive failure on the part of the church to, um, to have missed the opportunity to train people to do this in their home. Mm-hmm. I think there's a degree of that. I also think that after nine months, we've just been wooed into a pitiful apathy yeah. And we're just not really caring yeah. about much right. anymore. And consequently, we're not owning the responsibility. Yeah. And the the danger with this at this point, Melissa, is that we're not six weeks in, we're nine months in. And so this is now the way it is. Yeah. This is becoming the norm. And so uh, sadly, we're going to look back on 2020 or whatever this season ends up to be, and we're going to be able to generations in the future look Mm -hmm. back and go, yeah, that's when massive things changed for us. Um, And we didn't even intentionally decide to change. The judgment of history will be we failed to stand and to build structures that enabled the kind of values that we have to go forward. Right. So you're concerned about apathy. Mm -hmm. Um, And if apathy is the current that is just our culture that we are pushing against or we're chilling out in a raft. Right. Um, inside that apathy, what are the pitfalls that are just destroying or hindering our intentionality mm-hmm. that you see? Um, some examples that come to my mind Good. are things like just obsessive watching of the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, checking of social media, mm-hmm. video game overload, mm-hmm. things like that. What in your mind? What do you think those things are? And how can people 
sort of at the start of this fresh new year, at least we have a turning of the page on the calendar. What areas would you say, hey, look at this to our community, like make sure this is in check so you at least have the opportunity to rebuild some structure in your home? Mm -hmm. Because I think these hindrances are they're just there in large quantities and identifying them in our own lives is crucial to moving forward right to creating even the space to say yeah i we need to have a devotion as a family or whatever to mm-hmm. use the example you were just talking about yeah it's a great question i think that the um the availability of kind of mindless entertainment is abundant mm-hmm. um, netflix <laughs> crushing it their stock is crushing it um similar experiences, you know, similar opportunities for entertainment are just, they're thriving. How do you guys manage that in your own home? What's sort of like mm-hmm. your own parameters that you might seasonally place on or yeah. like what, how do you yeah. deal Great. with that? Cause I mean, we're all dealing with that. We have some sure. phones and you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to basketball games anymore no. or football games anymore. Um, the, the challenge for us used to be, we were so busy going different places that we were allowing things that were important to get sidelined. Now we're, um, in some ways we're not as busy, but we've allowed that space to be filled with entertainment or stuff that just really ultimately isn't as important to us. So the church calendar provides a beautiful opportunity Hmm. because it's, it's, it's structured in seasons. So versus like for the rest of my life, I'm going to do A, B, and C. Right. Uh, Two things that we've done um, have been structured times as a family of prayer during Advent, which is the season leading up to Christmas. And then we got another opportunity coming up in Lent, the season leading up to Easter. So these are two seasons where Carmen, my wife's great at creating um, like, so we'll sit down together. There's a, like a, a series of candles marking the days to the big celebration, whether it's Christmas or Easter. We're marking those, that progression by lighting candles. We're praying. We're, in, we're involving ourselves in the story, whether it's the birth of Jesus or the passion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus for Easter. And so we're calling into our, we're, we're, in, we're, um, we're building our life around and we're, we're structuring our evenings around an intentional spiritual practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are two examples of, of like seasonal opportunities. Beyond that, it, it feels like this is a time to say, as, as we begin a new year, what is important to me? What values do I want to um, pass on to my children? What kind of life do I want to live? Mm-hmm. And what kind of stability do I need to construct and hold to in order to allow that to happen. Right. Right. So I'm talking about simple things like a set time to wake up every day, Mm -hmm. not allowing, I mean, that just went away for a while. It was like pajamas all day for a couple of weeks. Remember that? But what if we did like a specific time to wake up every day, a morning routine that involves prayer and Bible reading, maybe a, a workout, a physical workout, whether it's a walk in the evening or a time in with weights in the gym or whatever. Um, I'm talking about just building structure, not for the sake of structure, 
structure, not for the sake and, and activity, not for the sake of busyness, but intentional, purposeful routine mm-hmm. and rhythm. I like the word rhythm. Right. Um, that is instrumental. In other words, that creates the desired outcome that leads to the desired outcome. Once we identify those things, which is frankly the easy part, then we got to make the vow of stability. We got to stay to it, right? Right. We got to stick to it. And that is the active work. It's not passive, it's active. We will go out on a date um, to nurture our marriage relationship whether we had a great day or not, right? Right. Whether it's going to be wonderful and romantic or we're actually going to argue about the issue that we didn't get resolved yesterday. Mm -hmm. But we'll continue to embrace the the disciplines um, and we won't allow ourselves to be kind of pushed along. Yeah, I love love the way you're explaining this because it's not just about, oh, don't do that anymore. Don't look at your phone. Okay, well, that's not even really realistic at this point mm-hmm. in time. But you're saying what is really important and be intentional about orienting your life around those things. Yeah. And then sort of those other things will be pushed out because you're focused on what is important. That's right. That's well said. Yeah, it's really not don'ts. It's more do's. Here's yeah. here's what's most important for me to do. I'll f- I'll fit the rest in. At the monastery, they pray seven times a day. It feels like when I was there, it felt like work was constantly being interrupted by prayer. You just get a project started and then the bell ring, it's time to pray again. In reality, prayer was the priority. Sure. Prayer was the work. Right. So in reality, prayer was getting interrupted occasionally by gardening. It's beautiful. See what I'm saying? It's like a flip because what's most important they structured around it and embraced that as their way of life. So they remained stable, a commitment to stability to that place, those people, and that way of life. Yeah. And, you know, this shouldn't be seen as some sort of spiritual elite level. This is basic. If a church is going to make a difference in a town, the church has got to stay there. Mm -hmm. If, If marriage is going to be a beautiful and redemptive force in the lives of children, you got to stay married. Right. Right. If, um, if the garden is going to produce fruit, you can't keep transplanting the plants to newer and better pots because it was so cool looking. Right. You got to stay and work the, the ground. Right. right. And so it's, yeah. uh, it's not super dramatic and sexy and exciting. It's, it's the hard work, but it's the only thing that results in fruit, mm-hmm. right? It's the only way fruit comes. You transplant a tree twice, it won't bear fruit anymore. Yeah. Most pastors pastor several churches. I wonder if they ever push through that, that difficult winter mm-hmm. to emerge on the other side into a fruitful spring where they say, oh, look what this did. Look what, look what happened when I stayed and I married them and then I baptized their kids. And then we went through the struggle of the middle of their marriage. And then I helped bury their parents. And now right. we've got a 30-year relationship, right? right? And look at the fruit that can happen because of the stability mm-hmm. that was 
not just practiced and not just valued, but it was like, no, this is, this is a deep commitment. Yeah. Right. This is a vow. It's awesome. Man, this message of stability is so timely given all the, well, the instability (laughs) that our culture is facing and we need to embrace it for the sake of our souls and the restorative work we're called to do. Yeah. I think there was a time recently where our culture was so busy all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I feel like our culture is kind of just go with the flow and accept that everything's being canceled and and there's not a lot happening anymore. Um, But in either case, the problem of just kind of being passive and allowing your life to be dictated by another is, is essentially the problem. And we need to embrace a stability that is unto something else, stability that enables something else, uh, stability as a means to an end that is committing to a specific place and a particular people and a specific way of life. It's, it's all got to be for the, for a purpose, right? And, and we want to say that ultimately that purpose is restoration, Clearly, there's all kinds of valid purposes, but ultimately the purpose of stability is the restoration of all things. Stability provides the critical context for putting broken things back together. Stability allows for real growth, for strong connection, for actual fruit. In other words, why should you stay? You should stay in order to work on the restoration of things that have been broken. Innovation gets all the startup funds. Innovation is exciting. It grabs the headlines, right? People are captivated by the new phone, the innovative chip or whatever the new thing is. But restoration, and by that we mean bringing healing of the wounded and health to the hurting or wholeness to the broken. Restoration, that's compelling to me, right? That's why Christ came to earth. That's the holy work of the church. Our high calling is to follow Jesus who incarnated into culture, but not just for the sake of incarnating into culture, but in order to fully restore culture. So the church's history is marked by this range of relationship between church and culture. And the church has fought against the culture at times in the past. The church has built walls up to keep culture at a distance at times in the past. The church has accommodated to culture so readily that all distinctions between the church and the culture have blurred. But Christ came to restore the world to return all of creation to its intended purpose. Therefore, the church is most faithful to her king when she engages culture with this compelling, hope-filled, restorative alternative to the status quo, which is clearly destructive. So in order for the church today, in the midst of this wide-ranging change and constant cancellation and constant and some of the misery and disappointment and apathy that we're experiencing in order for the church to be a faithful presence of love to offer this compelling alternative uh, we need to stay we must remain we have to value and practice stability it sounds kind of ordinary i think Um, one of the challenges with seeing staying or remaining as a method of affecting change as a way of making things better is, is that it just seems so ordinary. It's not very exciting. We're taught to despise doing the same thing over and over again. We associate um, monotony with mediocrity. Oh my gosh, he eats the same thing for breakfast every day or whatever. But I think we should reevaluate that assumption. 
in some contexts, doing the same thing over and over is beautiful and it's meaningful. When your child Mm -hmm. asks for a kiss Mm -hmm. every night Mm -hmm. before they go to bed, the routine of praying and blessing your children every night before they go to bed, totally monotonous, Mm -hmm. totally meaningful, right? Think about the things that your Mm -hmm. father has said to you so many times. While he's still living, you and your sister might even joke about it. Oh my gosh, dad, you always say that. You know what? At his funeral, you're going to say, he always said this to me. And that monotonous, consistent, it's always the same. It becomes sacred, Mm -hmm. right? Because the stability there, the consistency there, it's just so powerful. We are so attracted to the new and the innovative. Um, But it's exhausting ultimately. Uh, the kind of things that we repeat because they're important enough. Those are the things that become sacred. So sometimes ordinary things like washing dishes and folding clothes, so monotonous that we would do whatever we could to escape those chores sometimes. But some have found even in those things, this sacramental-like meaning in what might be otherwise burdensome chores. In other words, in other words they've found great meaning in remaining, mm-hmm. in staying Yeah. I think what you said about the incarnation at the beginning of Mm -hmm. that little blurb right there, proximity is so important to the the restorative work. And so often we want to do those things from a distance and not really engage because it's so much easier if I'm a little bit less emotionally connected and distance, but the proximity of restoration, it has to happen for the work to actually happen. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus came himself Mm -hmm. in the flesh and was with us and the restorative work that we do, we have to be with others. Right. Yeah. It's the difference between like an event, kind of a mission trip as event and come live in our house with us. Right. And we're going we're gonna to do this in proximity, like you're saying. Right. Yeah. Won't be as exciting. Nope. There's no t-shirt. It's just real life, but it's There's ongoing. more laundry. There's more laundry to do. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Right. It's the stability to the people in that case. Relationship, not just a visit. Relationship to the place is what restores the place. Not just, I'm going to drive by it. Right. Right. Yeah. Stability to the practice is what makes a big difference. Not just going to a worship concert once. No, worshiping every Sunday. Yeah. Worshiping every morning. That's what changes a heart. Mm-hmm. Not concerts, right? Right. not events. Okay. As we close today, I want to read to you from John chapter 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. 
This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Thank you for listening to episode two of Emmaus Footnotes. We are praying for you all. May you delight in God's word. May your roots be firmly planted in him and may your life bear fruit. We'll see you next time.